Good morning, Grace family. Welcome to Grace Community Church. If you're in the room or if you're online, glad you're with us. My name is Joey Geisel. I'm the pastor of prayer and creative arts, and I'm speaking today as the pastor of prayer. When Gary knew he was headed out on sabbatical a couple months ago, he said, Joey, speak about the jihad. Speak about the Grace House of Prayer. Speak about prayer. And I knew exactly what the Lord wanted for today. So I'm excited. I want to hijack a couple of those announcements real quick just to follow up. How many of you know Tom Grossman? Remember Tom Grossman from the Grace House of Prayer? He's such a gift to the church. Again, he's coming next Friday night and Saturday morning to talk about easy, enjoyable, sustainable prayer. And as the pastor of prayer ministry here right now, I'm so about easy, enjoyable, sustainable prayer. And Tom lives it out. Um, So please come join us. Anybody ever had a good experience in the G-Hop? Everybody met with the Lord or just had the fruit of God in your life? Yeah. If you had a complaint about the G-Hop, email Don at gracearlington.com. No, no. If I, I want to know how, make, how to make it better, but I love the Grace House of Prayer. So it's across the parking lot. You should have gotten a uh, calendar. That's the second thing I want to look at. Raise those up for me so I can make sure they get passed out. Thank you, Victoria. So that is the prayer meeting calendar for our Grace House of Prayer. We call it the G-Hop. It's just across the parking lot in the corner of the Life Center building. We have 30-plus meetings a week right now, most of which are open to you. If you're a member, it's open 24-7. So look those over, please. If there's something you're passionate about praying about and you see a prayer meeting on there, go join the people that are passionate about the same thing. If you see the blank space and you go, Joey, why aren't we praying about this? Joey, don't you think this is important? I get emails like this all the time, and I say, that's because you haven't started the prayer meeting for it yet. You should do it. So if we're passionate about prayer, jump on there. You can reserve the room for free for any prayer meeting you want to do one time, weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever the jihad is for you. Okay, let me pray for us before we look at the word together. Father God, thank you for Grace Community Church. Thank you for the grace that is on this community and this church. Would you pour out your spirit on this time? Would you increase love, power, and a sound mind in me and in us Help us to agree with you and get better at agreeing with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today's word is called Confess and Bless. If you saw the sermon teaser online, I think these are two of the most commonly misunderstood um, things about the regular, everyday, daily life of a Christian. These are supposed to be normative things. Confession and blessing are supposed to be easy and simple and approachable and accessible, and that's part of my heart today. Uh, I want a fresh understanding of confession. I'm thinking four things today. Fresh understanding of what confession means. I want to make it easier and simpler to do. I want to look at the blessings that result when we confess. And I want to equip you, equip all of us to bless in return. So why is it important to know what the word confess even means? Right? I looked at the NASB. A lot of us read and teach and preach out of the New American Standard. The word confess is translated 54 times in the New American Standard Bible. So for me, repetition is key. The Lord doesn't waste a a jot or a tittle. Y'all, he doesn't waste a single letter of Scripture. So if something happens 54 times, and usually it's a command form to confess or it's an acknowledgement of how to do it, this is important. So that's why I think the Lord laid it on my heart for today. So foundationally, Confession is how we get into the kingdom. Let's look at that. I'm going to look at the same verse that Kendall used in communion. Some of you know I'm a recovering high school teacher. Um, and Kendall is absolutely one of my favorites. I would follow you into battle anywhere, man. Well done. Proud of you. He, he rocked it this week. He was rallying those second graders out in the middle of the field, 110 degrees. I don't care. Buckle up, buttercup. He's a rock star. Our VBS team was amazing this year. I got to see them all week. But let's look at Romans 10.9 again. If you confess... 
with your mouth and Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Okay, so confession is ground floor Christianity. If you don't know how to confess, you cannot get into the kingdom. If you don't know how to confess and what it means to do, you cannot regain access to God the Father through Jesus the Son. So it's huge. That's my foundational reason for talking about confession today. Second is like it. If you're around Grace Community for any length of time, you're going to hear 1 John 1.9 from the front. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's the second reason. Confession is part of the normative Christian life. We confess our sins to the Lord, and he promises to forgive and to cleanse. So that's another reason confession is important. My third reason, and the one we're going to focus on most of our time today, is in James 5, 16. Therefore, because of all this, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man and woman can accomplish much. So in Christ, we have something called the priesthood of the believer. And 1 Peter 2.9 talks about you being the kingdom of priests and priestesses to our God. So as a Bible-believing church, we believe that each of us, if you're in the kingdom, you can receive the confessions and prayers of other people, and you can pray for them for healing. You can intercede for them before Almighty God. We don't need to come to the pastors and the elders or any special class of people. You have the priesthood of believers, and that's my encouragement and my challenge to you today. We're going to do a ministry time later that's going to stretch some of you maybe, but you're going to press into some blessing. You're going to press in to some healing and some cleansing and some forgiveness later. So if we're going to talk about the word confess, we need to define it. You know, you got to have a definition. What does it mean just in biblical usage? So Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words defines, it's the Greek word translated into English, confess, literally means to speak the same thing. That's all it means. It blew my mind when I found out that really, really simple, accessible definition of the scripture Bible word that can intimidate some people. To confess literally just means to speak the same thing. That Greek word just means same word. The Greek word that's translated into confess just means to say the same word as somebody else. To speak the same thing, to come into agreement with what they say and how they think and what they they think about you, specifically about God, about you, about your actions. That's all it means, to say the same thing as God is all confession is. If you hang out with me for any length of time, you hang out with Pastor James Bedwell in his counseling office, you'll hear us talk about agreement, to break agreement with the works of the devil, break agreement with something that we've you know, made in our own heart where we've agreed with something wrong. That's just less fancy Bible word than confess. It's just to agree with God. Let's agree with what God says about himself. Let's agree with what God says about you. Agree with what God says about what we've done. That's all confession is. Okay, the secondary definition from Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words is to confess by way of admitting oneself guilty of what one is accused of, the result of inward conviction. I would suggest to you, beloveds, I think the global church, many of us have learned that second definition first. I think across Christendom, historically, if you've been raised in a fear-based culture, fear-based family, the need for the fear and control of other people, if you've had a a negative run-in with the law enforcement, I'm currently working on a defensive driving course because of a negative run-in with law enforcement a couple months ago. If that's been your experience with confession, it's just 
confessing what you've done wrong and then you're going to get punished afterwards. Many of us have learned a fear-based association with the word confess. And I, I think it's wrong. You see, the primary definition is just to agree, to speak in the same way that God does. And the secondary definition, occasionally it's just about admitting you're guilty, but we're going to talk about how the punishment is not for you. So I just want to break that off today. It's much of why I'm speaking today is because I believe there's been a, a fear, shame, guilt mess over the idea of confession. And some of us really need to walk into some healing, walk into some cleansing and forgiveness because that's not the case. It's not how God designed communication with him to be. First John 4 puts it like this, verses 15 through 18. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected in us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not being perfected in love. If you see yourself as a lawbreaker worthy of punishment, you will live in fear of the judge. And you will always struggle with a divided mind if you try to follow Jesus and the law of God. I'm going to say that again because that's important. If you believe in your core identity, your core value, that you are a sinner, you are a lawbreaker worthy of punishment, you will always live in fear of the judge and you will always struggle with a divided mind if you try to follow Jesus and the law of God. But if you confess or agree that Jesus is the Son of God, Romans 8 tells us in verses 14 through 16 that all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the first John 4.17 we just read says that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because for us the throne is no longer a throne of judgment because our Father sits there. For you... The throne is no longer a throne of judgment. Because if you're in Jesus, your father sits on the throne. And God is love. He poured out all the wrath and judgment that your sins deserve onto Jesus on the cross. And there is no more wrath for you, beloved. Remember a few weeks ago, Gary had the, the whole end times thing spread out across the whole stage, right? Talking about tribulation is coming, beloveds, it's coming, get ready, get ready, the times are going to get harder, it's going to get harder and harder, but before the wrath of God is poured out, whoosh, that's when scripture says the rapture happens. You are not destined for wrath. You're not destined for wrath at the end of time. You're not destined for wrath for your sins today. There is no more wrath for you, so there is no more fear agreeing with God, going before the judge, confessing our sins to him and to people who act like him and look like him. There's no more fear in that because there is no wrath and no punishment for you because it was all absorbed by Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 says it like this, Therefore, because of all this, 
let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Beloveds, that is what is waiting for you at the throne. That's what's waiting for you at the throne of grace, no longer a throne of judgment. When you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just. There's only mercy and help in time of need that awaits you at the throne. That is the blessing of confession, to agree with God, to say what God says. That's why when James 5.16 says, again, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed, that's the healing that comes. Let's just talk about a really easy way to confess. I'm, I'm a verbiage guy. I'm a words, decently words guy. Um, I want to know how to say it right. It's all just, God says this. I did or didn't do that. I'm sorry, I don't want to do it again. Pray for me. You know, that's all confession is. It's really simple. It's not fancy words. It's not, woe is me, no shame mess of, woe, I am a sinner. We are worms, we are worms. Anybody? Hercules? Disney's Hercules? Yeah. We are worms. We are worms. Yeah, no, it's not Hades, y'all. It's the king on the throne. You just say, God says this. I'm convicted. God says this in his word or in his character. I acted like this. I did this wrong thing or I didn't do this right thing. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that anymore. Pray for me. That's all confession is, and that's what we're going to have a chance to do with somebody in the room here in a few minutes. Okay? I'm hoping this scrapes some of the ceiling and some of the mess off of the idea of communicating about our sins with God. Because we all sin. You are no longer a sinner. As Galatians 2 says, if you're in Jesus, Christ is in you, and Christ is not a sinner. But you are one that occasionally sins. Some of us more than others, we're working on it. I hope you're working on it. You're here because you're, here you're working on it. So, Goals, right? So I want to talk about some of the blessings that come from confession. We're going to look at those same three verses from the beginning we're going to see where is there a blessing tied to confession. We're going to talk a little bit about verbal confession, and then we're going to have a time to act on it and for God to pour out his spirit in healing and in strength and cleansing over you today at the end of the service. Uh, my basic definition of a blessing is God's intention towards you manifesting in your life. A blessing is just God's intention, his heart, his will, his character expressed towards you, and it's showing up in your life. It's going to apply to physical blessings, material blessings. It's going to apply to spoken blessing. We say, may the Lord do this for you. May God's intention manifest in your life. May God's intention and his heart for you happen for you. That's the element of spoken blessing. So let's look at what blessings happen when we confess. Again, Romans 10, 9 for the third time today. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, where's the blessing? You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness, with the mouth he confesses, what's the blessing? Resulting in salvation. 1 John 1, 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness and cleansing are two different things, beloved. Two different things. You walk in the kitchen with dog poop on your shoes, and you go, Mom, I'm sorry, I just tracked in dog poop. And your mom says, I forgive you. You don't owe me anything, but you still need to clean up <laughs> before you go walk on the carpet, okay? There's two different things. Forgiveness is one thing. Cleansing is another thing. And only the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from your sin. You can't scrape your shoes hard enough outside of the cross to get the dog poop of life off your shoes. But we have the promise 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse. They're both important, and they're both the everyday part of the normative Christian life, confession and forgiveness and cleansing. And then James 5.16, again, we're going to set up to do this, to put feet to it in a minute. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, where's a blessing, so that you may be healed. And with not all sickness is the result of sin. Jesus taught this really clearly in the scriptures. But I genuinely believe the word of the Lord today is some of us are not as healthy as we could be because of some unconfessed sin in our lives. And I'm hoping there's, there's no more fear and shame on top of that anymore, right? Because the throne is waiting for you with mercy and grace. But some of us, according to scripture, I just read it. I'm just teaching you what the word says. That you may be healed We're asking for the conviction, the right reminder of the Holy Spirit to bring to mind what we have been disagreeing with the Lord about and where we need to agree with the Lord and change the way we live. That's confession and that's the blessings that come with it. So I want to talk just a a few minutes about verbal blessing. I don't get to do the the three-hour version of this. I love teaching a class on it. I studied under Michael O'Shields, who wrote the book Rethinking Forgiveness, that I love passing out like hotcakes. And I'm going to do the three-week version of this coming up in about a month. Start on August 18th. If you want to come to celebrate recovery, come join in with us. I'm going to do three weeks in a row on forgiveness and blessing and train the people of God in verbal blessing. I'm trying to train the staff. It's different from prayer. Prayer, intercessory prayer is asking God to do things, pull heaven to earth. Blessing is declaring God's intention over people. May the Lord do this for you. May this happen for you within God's will. May the Lord do this. That's blessing. So I want to give a scriptural example of what I believe to be the most powerful blessing in scripture. And, but let's look at a couple of biblical commands. Why should we know how to bless? Why should the people of God know how to verbally bless and to respond with blessing? Let's look at Luke 6. The words of Jesus, he says, he commands, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. How many of y'all were here last week for Jerry's amazing word? Psalm 11, how do the righteous respond when the foundations crumble? How do the righteous respond when we're persecuted or when just life gets harder or people mistreat us, rub against us the wrong way, they do offensive things to us? How does the righteous respond? We remember God's on the throne and that throne is no longer a throne of judgment for you. You can find mercy and grace there. That helps us remember. But I want to equip you guys. I really, really burdened on my heart after Jerry spoke. I knew I wanted to put a piece in here. I want to put something in your mouth and on your tongue for the next time somebody sins against you, the next time you're persecuted, mistreated, whatever, whatever happens, something negative happens to you, I want to put this on your tongue because, beloved, some of you are going to have to go through it today. Some of you may be sinned against or have something offensive happen to you or a disagreement happen today. Anybody married? Never mind. Uh, you're gonna, <laughs> it's going to happen, beloved. Okay, so I want to put this in your mouth, and I want to give you the example of Stephen. You remember Stephen the Apostle? Right, And he's being stoned to death by the religious leaders because of his declaration of Jesus Christ as Lord. You want to talk about the ultimate example of mistreatment, persecution, offense, whatever. It doesn't get, doesn't get more extreme than martyrdom. Okay, So this is the extreme. So when somebody cuts you off in traffic later, you'll have a level of grace relative to, okay, we looked at martyrdom. I'm not being martyred right now. I'm going to bless them. Okay, So this is a blessing in the prayer that, that Stephen had for the people literally that were throwing rocks at his head to kill him. 
Okay, let's look at Acts 7.20. Then falling on his knees, Stephen cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. I want to put this in your mouth. Lord, do not hold their sin against them. It's the image of Jesus on the cross, right? Father, forgive them for they knew not, they know not what they do. I believe Jesus' verbal blessing combined with all the actions of the cross and his sinlessness, that verbal blessing, Father, forgive them for they knew not what they do, echoed throughout eternity and that's how we got into salvation. That's a part of Jesus' work on the cross was the forgiveness of dumb guys like me that didn't know how messy our sin was. But I want to put the words of Stephen in your mouth. Lord, do not hold their sin against them. So the next time that somebody offends you or does something offensive, you can, offense is your choice, by the way. Offensive things can happen, happen to Jesus all the time. And Jesus chose to never walk in offense and bitterness. So offense is your choice, beloved. You have the power to do it, to choose not to be offended by offensive things. But the next time a mess happens to you, somebody sins against you, you have a disagreement, cut off in traffic, martyred today, probably not as likely in Arlington, Texas today, but give us a few more years the way we're going. Prepare for martyrdom now to say, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now in marriage, watch your timing and your tone of voice if you choose to verbally. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Lord, do not, may the Lord not hold your sin against you. Now just careful, careful. Not all of us have grace to actually in the moment express that well. So that's my disclaimer, just inside. You're inside, boys. The communication with the Lord, that's why you got Holy Spirit, is, Lord, I don't want this sin against you. You know, just, just, I'm, that's my, my married tip. We're about to hit seven years, and I'm my wonderful wife and my, my in-laws are here. Hi! Um, praise the Lord. Lord, do not hold their sin against them. And the blessing I want to talk about, just real quick before we get to the ministry time, we're almost done. The verbiage of prayer, the intercessory form of prayer is asking God to do things. Lord, I'm asking you, do not hold this person's sin against them. I love them so much because you love them. Do not hold their sin against them. The blessing, releasing God's intention over them, let's flip it on its head. May the Lord not hold their sin against them. You can pray that for, you can bless that for anybody. You go see the, the human trafficking movie, right? And your eyes are open to more of the horrors of the world and you think about all the, the unconverted Apostle Pauls and the unconverted Osama bin Ladens that, that are there to be prayed for and to be blessed. And you can say, Lord, May you not hold their sin against them. May the Lord not hold their sin against them. So it works for the most extreme cases. Human trafficking, martyrdom, it works for cutting people off in traffic. Don't you do that. You get cut off in traffic. But use that. Put it on your tongue. Put it on your heart and practice now because you know it's hard to do whenever you get something offensive happen to you, right? So we're going to have a ministry time. I'm going to ask Pastor Larry to come up and minister to us with an anointed worship song that was on my heart. It was written in this church almost 20 years ago, um, and I'm going to ask the pastor and elder couples, if you're in this service, come on down front and look smiley and accessible and approachable and peaceful. G-Hop lead team, if you're in here, my G-Hop regulars, please go ahead and come on down front and be ready for this. So we're going to put feet, you're going to put feet to the faith of the blessings I just talked about. So I, have I presented the word enough to make you believe that confession leads to blessing? There is blessing and healing and cleansing, and forgiveness, mercy, grace on the throne for those of us who actively agree with God. I'm hoping I've presented the case from Scripture, and if you're a Bible believer, you're going to be able to put feet to this. But I'm going to ask 90% of you, I don't know if we've ever done this in here before, I'm going to ask 90% of you to find a friend in the room 
and go, you know, God says this, I did this, I'm sorry, I, I want to do different, please pray for me. Spouses, you may be able to do it with each other, it may be a sin against each other, so you might find somebody else, however that works for you in the room. But I'm going to ask 90% of y'all, if you've been coming here long enough, I pray you've got a friend in the room. Maybe they all went to first service because they wake up earlier than you. But if you don't have, if you're new here or you're an introvert like me and it's harder to make friends, that's what the pastor and elder couples looking incredibly pleasant. I, know, I love them and I know each of them by name and they are grace-filled people and they are going to pray for you and receive your confession. But I'm going to ask most of us to do it in the room. And as most of you have to walk across the church, nobody's staring at you going, oh, I didn't know Howard sinned this week. You know, we just, 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 just forget about it. You know, just move around the room if you need to. Let's confess our sins. And we got, we got 10 minutes for this. I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to release grace because hum- humility releases grace. Larry was telling those little girls before worship service today, he was just saying, hey, guys, God's opposed to the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So if you think it's about you and you're worried about what people think about you, God is opposed to you. But if you humble yourself and you do what he says, even when it might be awkward, grace is released unto Grace Community Church. May the Lord equip you and soften your hearts. Let's go ahead and stand so it's a little less awkward for the first person that moves. And I encourage you, find somebody in the room. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another with grace. Trade back and forth. We're going to take some time here, okay? Let's do it while while Larry worships the Lord. Gracious to me According to your love According to your grace, oh God Cleanse me from my sin Wash me deeply Let your blood come and come Mom, we're family here. You got this. morning to make a new friend. There's grace waiting for you. There's grace increasing on the room. You hear the laughter, you hear the lightness. Let's do this. We're not not rushing.
still time to get into this. There's still time to get what the Lord has for you. If you're praying, keep praying. This is church, y'all. This is church. May the Lord anoint you to agree with Him more than you ever have. Grace Community Church, may the Lord anoint and equip you to agree with Him with your words and with your actions more than you ever have. He's opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So each one of you that humbled yourself in whatever way, on the inside or on the outside, There is more grace, more empowering presence of God coming. So I confirm it and declare it over you because the word is true. You are people of grace. May the Lord equip you to confess and to bless. Be people of confession and blessing.